Hello, box breakers. Welcome to the Living Box Free podcast. I'm Becky Ford. And I'm Ashley Insights. And we are excited to have a guest with us today, back by popular demand. We had a, a guest not too long ago from Whoop that came and joined us just to talk about fitness devices and the impact they can have on your life and your health and your well-being. Today, we're going to get into some more specific information. And specifically, we're going to talk about how do we avoid burnout and how do we truly unlock our potential? We have got Kate Cordalesa with us today. We are so excited. She is the program manager of thought leadership and performance science at Whoop. Kate, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to chat. <laughs> we're so excited to have you. We were just talking before this. Kate's like, I'm a talker. So uh, I can't wait. She has so much cool knowledge in her mind. I have no, like, how can you not be a talker? Because you have so many cool nuggets to share. Uh, we're going to start with our question What's on the rise for you this week? Uh, we'll start with you, Ash. Uh, I just got back from my wedding travels. Finally, it's over. I've been talking about it on here for <laughs> many, many weeks. And uh, I had to get my nails done, which I don't mind. It's fine. I got my nails done. I'm not used to that. I didn't, I grew up playing the violin, so I wasn't allowed to have paint on my nails. I had to keep them real short. And so getting my nails done, it's happened maybe twice in my adult life, th three times, like actually going and getting them done. And they feel very smothered. Like I feel like my <laughs> my fingernails are suffocating, but they look good. So I don't know. I'm having this like internal battle of do I take it off because I feel like they're going to suffocate or do I just, you know, work through it? I know that's a very weird thing to say is on the rise, but it's actually taking up a lot of my mental space, which probably means I should just take it off. But anyway, that's what's on the rise for me. What's on the uh, rise for you, Becky? That's hilarious. I can see your fingers are turning purple. They're suffocating. Yes. Yeah, they're just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they're going to fall off any moment. <laughs> what's on the rise for me? I was sick all, not this week, but the week before, like all week. And I didn't work out for over a week, which is really insane for me. And so I still have a little bit of a cough. I'm going to try not to cough in my my microphone, but just getting better, feeling better. Um, it's It definitely makes you appreciate your health. And my whoop, my goodness, the first day I woke up, I was like, my respiratory rate is way higher than normal and I'm in the red. Ooh, yeah, this is oh, not telling. good. It's this is not telling. good. <laughs> my resting heart rate is like 10 beats more than it normally is. So uh, speaking of so it was whoop, in the 40s. It was in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, man, this is not good. I'm getting sick. Uh, yeah. But I'm better now. I'm in the green today. Woohoo. All right, Kate, what's on the rise for you? Yeah, I am in the process of moving right now. So I'm currently living at my mom's house, which is, you know, very unique as an adult. And <laughs> um, I have, I'm living out of a suitcase. There's dressers in a closet here, but I have things literally just thrown all over the room. And I'm a very type A person, so it's just completely against everything that I've ever done in my life, but I just never really got grounded here. So this week, I'm planning on going through all of my stuff that I have and hopefully throwing out or donating, really, most of it um, and just starting fresh in a new house, a fresh wardrobe, and oh, I just can't wait to get in. So I have two more weeks, and that's my, my goal for this weekend, a little spring yeah. cleaning. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, a little longer weekend, three day weekend yeah. to do that. That does sound nice. Anytime you have like a new place to live, that fresh start. Yeah, getting rid of, getting rid of clutter, things you don't wear. Yeah. Did you yeah. say where you live? And I missed it. 
I am currently in Philadelphia, but I live in Virginia Beach. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kate, we are so glad to have you on uh, and would love for our listeners to get to know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. So if you don't mind, give us a little bit of background about who you are. Yep. Um, so I am the program manager for thought leadership and performance science at WHOOP. My background is in, uh, I have a degree in public health. I have a degree in exercise physiology, and I'm currently getting a master's in performance psychology. And really just my purpose and kind of this overall like value that I've had my whole life is trying to understand what's happening internally, physiologically, and then what's happening in my mind and understanding that feedback loop, kind of like the chicken and the egg, which one kind of comes first and how do we stop that um, when there's kind of negative talk tracks happening and how do we then shape our future by catering to both of these sides of us. Uh, And ultimately like my life kind of goal is really just start helping people understand that our psychology and physiology are one thing and they aren't actually two separate parts. Um, We wouldn't be anything without a body and we wouldn't be anything without a head and they're just one and the same. Uh, So that's really where I am. And WHOOP has kind of been that um, vehicle for me to start really getting deeper into this. So I've been here for about three years and through a plethora of job functions. I started back in 2019 with, um, I think, less than 100 folks. And we now have somewhere between eight and 900 people. So seen an evolution of a company and, and really an evolution of a product. That is so cool. I mean, wow. that's huge growth. Yeah. I, uh, we didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so vast. And I mean, I think what happened was people started to understand how much they didn't understand uh, and how much a wearable can bring forth these insights. And they don't have to go to a doctor and they actually have the capability of understanding their body far more than they ever did before. And I think there was this stigma that like, people would be like, well, I understand my body and and don't let a doctor tell me something or whatever it is. And it's like, now we actually have some of that data to back up that statement. And we can make really definitive decisions and really like efficacious decisions for ourselves with a wearable device. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that is dipping our toe in what makes Whoop different. I know there's other wearable devices out there, uh, Fitbit, Apple Watch, you name it. Um, why Whoop? What makes Whoop the better device? Yeah, I I think there's a lot of just amazing products on the market. And I do think that there's certain things for for certain people, kind of depending on what you want. I think Whoop is completely tailored to someone's, I don't always love the word holistic, but all-encompassing health and life. Um, Where if you look at other products, they're doing a multitude of things and they're doing them partially well. What WHOOP does is we ground ourselves in science, which I love the fact that that's what thought leadership and performance science actually does. So we run pretty much all of our research that helps members use the most efficacious tools going forward, you know, looking at meditation versus breath work, what's better, things like that. We run it from start to end, and then we help our product teams really productize these insights and how do we get them out to the public? Um, so Whoop really grounds themselves in science, but I also think that there, when we talk about fitness trackers, a lot of people are talking about how hard their workout was, how hard their one hour session is. Whoop is actually looking at the other 22, 23 hours and 
weighing them heavier than just your workout. Because if we look at the research and we look at the science, everything that happens kind of around that workout is far, far more indicative of how you are going to stand up physiologically than what you're ever going to do in a gym. You can't outwork some of these bad decisions or, or negatively physiological decisions that that you're putting on your body. You, you can't do that. And Whoop is really emphasizing those other aspects, starting with sleep and recovery and telling you really how to prepare yourself. And then when you are prepared or when you're not prepared, how do you actually manage your day based on those insights? So I think that's where we kind of differentiate ourselves in the market. Yeah. I know when I think about my journal in the Whoop, that at the very top where you can add things, it says like lifestyle or like mental health. And so even just seeing that it's not just about the physical, but as you said, there's so many other aspects there that impact our overall health and well-being. And that's something I really appreciate about the that's, device. That's our goal, especially like my team. We The physical is, is great. It's great. But if you don't have that whole other aspect kind of playing into that, you really don't have much of anything. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll start to see it play out in, in a lot of aspects in your life. Yeah. Well, I, I love hearing how just the enthusiasm, how excited you get when you talk about science and studying humans. I we would love to hear what are some of the coolest things that you're working on today? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm such a nerd, but, um, so my, the coolest thing I think right now, I, we have a study with frontline healthcare clinicians that I've been part of. We've partnered with, um, essentially a coaching platform that has really tailored insights to help these individuals. Because when you think about frontline healthcare clinicians, and I'm talking nurses, surgeons, doctors, um, we're looking at people on hospital floors, but we're hoping to kind of extrapolate some of the data and, and understand other aspects of frontline healthcare. But when you look at these folks, I think the advice out there to them is like, well, sleep eight hours and eat right. And it's like, but their jobs just don't allow that to happen. What can we give them so that they can optimize and still work in their field? And I think we've all seen how important these folks are in our lives. Um, so the reason that I mean, I've, I've always had such an appreciation uh, for frontline healthcare workers, but I think the reason that this really just totally hit home for me, we, so we're, we have this um, research going at three locations and we went to a location in Texas that's in El Paso. So right on the border of Mexico, some of these um, doctors and nurses are working in Mexico and driving over the border and then driving back. And they're working crazy hours. They've seen such a decrease uh, in employment since COVID happened. And we get in the room with them and I'm telling them about WHOOP and I'm telling them about the research study and we're presenting on it. And there's just like tears. Uh, I'm going to get emotional. There's just like tears streaming down these people's face. Like they just have no idea how to help themselves because they're so focused on helping other people. And they're just asking like, how do I live basically to make myself feel better? Cause I don't feel okay right now. And hopefully the study just helps them and we're providing really great insights back to them. And we get emails from them all the time, just like thanking us for allowing them to be part of a study. Um, so it's just, 
you know, I think that's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen happen and play out. And that we see it all the time in research. But if you look in our military and tactical teams, you see that every single day, every day. People just so appreciative of the technology and the insights that that they're bringing to their lives. <laughs> That's so cool. I wasn't sure if Ash was going to jump in there and share anything. Uh, that's, that's super cool. And I love the emotion. Obviously it's one thing to say research and like studies, but it's people. Yeah. And like you, you just articulated that so well. Uh, these are people whose lives you're changing by doing this research yeah. and trying to help them solve a challenge that they're facing. Like they don't know how to help themselves. And um, it makes me think my little brother, he was in the Peace Corps and he he's talked on our podcast before about having compassion fatigue and just, you know, caring so much about other people and what that did for his mental health um, because of that. Not having support uh, to help him, it, yeah. you know, refuel himself. And the self-care industry right now too, like you'll see it on social media and stuff. They're just like, take a bath on a Sunday, set yourself up. And it's like, stop listening to that. Like, yeah. I mean, by, by all means, take a bath on Sunday if that's what you want to do. <laughs> but you're never going to like get to a place that you are resilient and can walk mm -hmm. through life by taking a bath on a Sunday. Like, <laughs> it just isn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I just think it's truly inspiring. I mean, I, I love research. I love the nitty gritty mm -hmm. part of it. I'm totally a nerd, but I love when we actually get to impact someone's life like that's yeah. that's why i do this well that's that's how this whole thing started for me that's so cool i don't i don't know that i thought about people in so much stress being able to see what is causing them the most stress and and work with it what i'm curious do you know what usually the top contributors tend to be when people start to have that information at their fingertips? What the top contributors are to why people are, are in those states. Yeah. 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 Typically it has to do with sleep. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, <laughs> the basics of biology, sleep, light exposure, and how you're like nurturing through the, through food, your body. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Meal timing comes into that. But I really think if you're going to understand all of it, it really starts in your sleep. Uh, mm. And then you get grounded by kind of the sunlight and the light that you interact with throughout the day. And that kind of sets the tone for everything else that you do throughout the day. And if you're not getting the quality sleep that you actually need, you're, you're doing yourself such a disservice. Um, yeah. but, but again, these folks, they're working overnight and then they have kids and families and, or whatever right. other things. Um, so there's certainly things that we can do to help kind of bring forth resources to them that, even if they only have six hours to sleep, they can still really manage that effectively. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that uh, thing that goes around social media, of, you know, make sure you get plenty of water and sunlight because you're basically a house plant with complicated emotions. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so true. <laughs> it's, it's not so wrong. True. It's <laughs> I mean, and like from an evolutionary perspective, like that's what those folks did. Yeah. And that's kind of how our biology created and evolved over time. Mm-hmm. I'm remembering I haven't watered my house plant in quite some time. <laughs> I'm 
Like, I should probably go do that after this. Thank I you. heard Thanks, fake guys. plants because I have no green <laughs> I don't even know how this thing is still alive. Oh, it's a cactus. Yeah. That's the type of plant I need. Yeah. Uh, well, I, so as you talk about this research you're doing with these individuals and self-care, what, and when I think self-care, I think of our mental health or mental well-being. How does WHOOP, like, how do you measure that? And how do you, when you do this research, like, how do you know if you're making a difference or not? What does that look like? Yeah. So there's kind of two avenues that in research and on the platform that we actually measure burnout, resiliency, um, all of those things, mental status. So we have our subjective measures, which usually for a WHOOP member comes in the fourth of the journal, right? So there's things like, and the WHOOP journal has evolved quite a bit over time. So there's things like, are you feeling anxious? Did you feel stressed yesterday? Did you have a therapy session? Things that are very targeted towards our psychology. But then we started incorporating, like, did you go outside? Did you exercise? Um, Things like that. And not so much, we didn't necessarily put them in the mental health category because they look like mental health, but for people to start correlating in their mind when they see this list of mental health um, subjectives, like how these things are actually playing all together. So we do it subjectively like that. In research, we typically, we will use journals, um, but we usually use a little bit more tailored scales. Um, So there's resiliency scales and out there and we kind of find them in the literature based on what we need. And then we send these out weekly, daily. Um, The journal is actually really cool for folks that don't know. We send them out on the regular um, every single morning and they ask about the previous day. And then at the end of the month, you get this monthly report so you can kind of understand how your behaviors are correlate, correlating to your objective measures, which we also measure. So things like our resting heart rate, our heart rate variability, which are going to be really indicative when we're talking about like resiliency and, and burnout. Um, resting heart rate is going to be pretty simple. It's not actually the most indicative of burnout. Your your heart rate variability is going to be the most indicative. And when we talk about burnout, there's kind of like this scale of burnout where you have acute burnout and then like more chronic burnout. Um, and the more chronic you go, the more like anxious, anxiety, depressive symptoms you start to incur. And I'll let a true psychologist talk about those. But um, you also have acute where it happens regularly. And sometimes that burnout is good. You think about a workout right? Like you are stretching yourself past the limit and your body is recovering from it. When we talk about burnout, what what we're actually talking about is um, when you don't recover from it and then this, it's just accumulating over time. Um, So we measure these objectively and heart rate variability is going to be that, that really big predictor. And your heart rate variability in, in like the most basic terms is just the um, output of your autonomic nervous system. And so you have your parasympathetic system, which is your rest system, and then your sympathetic system, which is your activation system. And these two things kind of create this um, output. So you think your heart beats 60 beats per minute. That's not true. Um, or sorry, 60 beats per minute, and it beats once per minute, or once per second. Um, and that there's this like monotone type of signal the variation that happens in that is actually indicative that your body can respond to kind of any stimulus that's put around you in an effective way. When your heart rate variability starts to decrease, that means that your body has to take a ton of resources to respond to whatever's being put in front of you and whatever's happening. Um, 
So what you'll see is every single day, your heart rate variability will, will vary. There's a range, right? Um, and we'll use simple numbers, maybe 50 to 80 in my range. And on 50 days, you're really primed, or on 80 days, you're really primed. And on 50 days, you're not as primed, you're not as ready, your body's not as adaptive to your environment. Um, but what happens when you start getting in these states is that range starts to decrease. And you'll typically see this, any sort of physiological changes take somewhere from like 60 to 90 days to really see. So if you're sitting there looking at whoop data or whatever data you have in front of you and you're like, well, my heart rate variability went down this week, that's okay. Like you don't have to necessarily be alarmed at that. But this is why we send these monthly reports and yearly reports is because how did this transpire over time? And then you can correlate them back to things that were happening in your life. So for instance, my heart rate variability right now is decreasing because of my move. Once I get reacclimated to an environment, I'm just, I have a lot going on and trying to re-understand myself in a completely new city um, that I haven't been in in a while. And then knowing that I'm moving, my heart rate variability is going to be decreased. It's okay. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm burned down. It means that my body is just responding to all of the demands. Um, so that's pretty much how whoop will measure it. And you'll start to see these trends within yourself. You can look at week over week trends. Uh, but I think what's really more negative is going to be looking at month over month or, or, or yearly what's happening. I, you, you answered a question before I even got to ask it because you talked about how HRV is a big indicator of burnout of measurement and you described what that is. One just little tiny question because I get asked this all the time. Um, are your HRV, because I know it can vary quite a bit. Some people are like 20, some people are 195. How much of that, I know like age, gender, physical activity, how much of it's genetic or is it really your more of your like environment and what you do? Yeah. So I'm definitely not a geneticist, but I, I would say that probably only like max 15 to 20%. Um, but you also have this pretty great ability to, um, (laughs) express genes and and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but express genes based off of your behaviors, right? So you might have a gene that limits your HRV, but you also have the behavior that tells your genes when or when not to express themselves by your lifestyle. So, um, that's a whole different path, but (laughs) I think it's only 10 to 20% unless you start doing the other things and then your genes can certainly take over and you can see that affect 80%. But I think your lifestyle and your behaviors can definitely dictate that back down. Can we come back and do a, another podcast just about that? Because that sounds fascinating. (laughs) I I am knee deep in all of like genetics research, but I don't understand the genetics. (laughs) aspect whatsoever. So I read a ton and then I'm just like Googling, okay, what does this mean? Like, how how do I find this out? But I think, um, I I know we're not really talking about this, but where wearable technology is going to go, we have to bridge that gap. We have to, we have to, and people will stop relying on the, well, it's genetic. Right. Yeah. it It probably isn't. That, I mean, I think that's so cool to hear because you're right. That is a crutch. A lot of people use, well, my, this is just how my family is. This is, yeah. we're always like this. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I was just curious. That's way smaller percentage than what I thought you might say. Uh, so that, if anything, that is so empowering as I hear you say that, that we have so much control over improving those things. Yeah. Okay. We have way more control. Yeah. Yeah. As we talk about burnout and, and I love that you also said burnout is, can, there's good burnout. There's like, you do a workout, your muscles are burnt, you know, you're exhausted, but you recover. What, if we're in bad, a bad state of burnout and stress, anxiety, it's, it's, you know, lending towards some of those other states, what's the risk of staying in a state of burnout for too long? What happens? Yeah. So your body event eventually adapts to a lower state of functioning. And then you don't know that there is a higher state of functioning. You think that your life just and the way that you feel and the way that you interact with the world is the way that it is. And you think that there's nothing that you can do about it. But that lower state of functioning can look like injury, illness, lower cognitive functioning. So less ability to like grasp onto memories, less ability to kind of do your job. I think people often say that um, there's a lack of motivation. It's, it's not necessarily a lack of motivation. Chemically, you are not set up for success to even go through the motions through the day. So it's not a lack of motivation. You are feeling something that physiologically is actually transpiring in your body. It's not just, hey, I want to go for a run and I have no motivation to do it. No, your body's telling you not to do it because all of the demand that's put on your body has to resolve itself. So these, all of these resources have to be dedicated to it. Um, so it looks, it, it can look a lot like depression. Um, and it certainly can lead that way. But I think that there are like depression kind of, you know, you kind of play more genetically into some of that stuff too. But I think there's more like biological factors that you can actually do to mitigate them, like stabilizing your sleep wake times, like making sure you're getting sleep, like exercising, like viewing light, um, eating nutritiously. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a ton of things to kind of mitigate that as well. As we talk about, okay, we want to avoid burnout and you've given us some really great tips and yeah. we know that our lifestyle has a lot to play with into that as well as yeah. sleep, recovery. Everyone wants to know, like, how do I just live a healthy and a happy life, right? <laughs> like it's almost like the secret to life. How do I do this? From what you've seen in your research, what would you say are some of your biggest tips for people to feel their best? Yeah. So again, like stabilizing your sleep. So what does this mean? It means going to bed and waking up within like a half an hour of the same time every single day, even on weekends. I know this is, especially as we're going into a holiday weekend, this is not always like the best advice to be able to like live your best life and like do all of this stuff. Right. But, but, um, it's really, really helpful from a physiological and a biological standpoint to start there. What we do and what we've done with like athletes and teams is talk about this and, and set this out on a calendar where 80% of your time you are doing that. Same sort of notion of 80% of the food that you intake should be um, like really healthy and nutritious. And then you can kind of slack off 80% of your time. If you look at that on a calendar is one day a week. It's not both weekend days. It's not Monday or Friday through Sunday. It's, it's one day a week. 
um, where you kind of allow yourself to do that and be okay with it. Don't attach guilt and shame to what you're doing there. Um, so it's 80% of the time that you stabilize those sleep wake times. You wake up and view sunlight. And I know it sounds minuscule. Viewing sunlight within the first hour of waking helps uh, regulate your metabolism. So you're like the cravings that you would get to get hungry. So you start regulating your meal timing throughout the day in relation to the sun. Um, it starts to regulate your hormones, which again, like it's going to regulate that metabolism. It's also going to regulate your circadian rhythm. So if you're having hard time going to sleep and waking up, viewing sunrise will help this. Um, sometimes sunrise, I think right now is like 5 a.m. So that's not always like the best case there. But viewing the sunset at night can be really, really helpful in the secretion of melatonin naturally in your body without actually having to take a pill. So you view the sunset at night and that actually triggers your body to go into a low and slow mode. Um, and then just trying to avoid meals before bed um, so that your body doesn't have to work really hard at the first part of your sleep to metabolize before it can even rest and recover. Um, the other thing would be avoiding screens and blue light. I know, I know the world we live in, avoiding screens and blue light, blue light blocker glasses only during the night. Don't, you know, from like 7, 38 PM on, depending on when you go to bed, um, is really, really crucial. If you start wearing blue light blocker glasses in the middle of the day, you're actually not allowing the light to come in. Blue light is, is a state of, or helps you create a state of alertness. So you don't want that to happen um, throughout the day. You can also do things um, just really to stabilize all of these things by like going out in the middle of the day. And I do this a lot where I just go out in my backyard and I just do a huge panoramic vision of kind of what's happening. It essentially what it does is when you are stressed, you are very focused and narrow minded, not narrow minded, sorry, narrowly focused on one subject. When you go in panoramic vision, it helps reduce that stress from you without even doing much of anything, right? Um, the other things to do, obviously, like eat really nutritiously and then mitigate stress throughout the day. And not all stress is bad stress, but trying to mitigate some of the bad stress. And my suggestion here is breath work. Um, uh, what we've learned is meditation is really non-prescriptive and it's a practice. It's something that takes years and years to get really good at. So when you actually get good at it, it's very, very helpful. But that whole process doesn't do anything in real time to help mitigate some of these stress factors. Breath work, on the other hand, is very helpful. And the only thing that actually has been scientifically proven to decrease stress in real time. Um, so the simplest thing that if you take anything away from, from breath work, just make your exhale longer than your inhale. That's it. And you can do this on phone calls. Uh, Becky, we did this on your phone call where we just had your uh, and they got to little, yep. like, just practice it on just, you know, spewing away, talking backs, and they just got to focus on their breath. And you can implement that in every single thing. So when we lead meetings, when my team leads meetings, we talk about this all the time. We say it at the front of the hour, we say it half hour in, like, are you guys still doing this? Um, but it really only takes about five minutes per day to start decreasing stress and you'll start to see your HRV, your resting heart rate really respond.
to those. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) It's yeah. The thing that I love so much about science and the thing that I love so much about what we're doing and what we're trying to put out in the world is that we don't have to eat chicken and rice and run 12 miles every day and do all this (laughs) stuff. And by all means, again, like the bath, if you want to do that, do it. But there's also very small little segments of time that you can create like stillness essentially in your body and activate your parasympathetic system, which is that rest and relaxation system um, in a really, really like, cognitive and decisive way that changes the rest of how you kind of show up in the, in the world. That's very cool. Uh, I heard, I definitely, for me, the breath works, something I can definitely work on, uh, but some really good tips in there and some simple ones like sunlight and light exposure for, we, we do have, a, I think I told you this at the beginning. We do have a few listeners who I would categorize as superstars and they are like on point with their nutrition. They're on point with exercise, their sleep consistency for those individuals who want to know how do I continue to unlock my potential? What would be your additional tips for them? Yeah. So I think there's certainly like the lifestyle that we think that we should live um, and people that do it very healthily. And, but I think what sometimes the missing part of that is the value relationship to what you're doing. So something that I do on usually a yearly or, or twice a year basis is create just like an identity chart, a pie chart where I kind of dictate who I am and how I want to be. Um, And sometimes this is two pie charts where it's who I am and then how I want to be. So essentially you'll just say like, okay, I am a program manager for Whoop. Okay, I am an athlete because I I work out. I am a dog mom. Um, I am a student. All of the things and all of the different aspects that you are in your life. And then how does your purpose, efficacy, and control relate to what those things are. So for people that are working out all the time, and Becky, you and I talked about this a little bit before, is how do those workouts relate and identify with your values? So your purpose is really talking about like, how does this relate to your values? Your efficacy is talking about like the ability to produce a certain outcome. And when you have that efficacy, you have like that high ability and you know that you're going to be able to produce and then control. How much control do I have over this situation? And those three things, when you start looking at your life in this like pie chart, all encompassing view, you can start to see areas that you might not realize aren't aligning with yourself um, and could actually be causing this like distress or negative stress in your life. So for me, I mean, we were talking about this before, um, in this transition period, as I'm moving, I'm doing a bodybuilding workout. I'm typically a, like a CrossFit or Olympic lifter, um, type of person. And that's kind of where I, where I love to be. Bodybuilding for me right now is just kind of by the resources that I have. So I'm not truly valuing my workouts in the same way. Um, and it's short term for me, like I know it's, it's going to change, but it doesn't do the same thing for me, even though 
like the dopamine and serotonin release that happens when you actually work out are the same. I don't relate to it in the same way. I'm not releasing the same amount of stress that I typically would. And you can do this in everything. Like you can do this with your job. You can do this how you interact with your boss. If you're a leader, how people interact with you and how you want to interact with them um, and really defining how you want to be as a leader, how you want to be in this aspect of your life, what makes sense to you, what feels right for you. And this is just a really great way to kind of do that. Um, so purpose, efficacy and control and put that all into a pie chart and really just start to dig into some of these things. I think it's like very, very enlightening. I do it once a year. Um, usually around January when we start making goals and people are talking about goals, but I think it just really realigns me. Um, but I also think that you could probably do it twice a year and, and really benefit from that as well. We love exercises and not just physical, but I love that you gave us like a personal reflection exercise to do. So I highly encourage our listeners. That's a, an awesome idea. You don't have to wait for January. You nope. should go do that now. Yeah, yeah. I love that exercise. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. As we get ready to close up here, what additional resources or, um, hey, go follow this, anything out there you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I bet a lot of people probably are listening to the Huberman podcast. If you don't, I highly recommend Huberman podcast. Um, but there's a few books. I actually wrote these down um, that I think are really, really helpful in understanding just evolutionary health. One of them is What is Health by Peter Sterling. It really helps understand health from an evolutionary perspective and very basics of biology. Um, some of these like sleep, light, circadian alignment type of things that I've talked about. How not to die if anyone's kind of under to wants to understand eating and nutritious foods. Um, the thing I'll suggest, or the thing I'll kind of tell about that is it, it's promoting a plant-based lifestyle. It doesn't necessarily promote veganism or vegetarianism, but just know if you're going to get into that, um, it, it could be something that kind of skews away from like, again, your purpose, efficacy and control, what you value in your life. The other ones, uh, the body keeps the score. That's the last book that I would suggest. And it is, mind blowing and back to the genetics conversation. It's kind of like the genetic expression based on how you're interpreting like your life events. And I listened to that on audible. It's, it gets a little sciencey, but, um, if you're a nerd, go for it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing those resources. I've, uh, had several people in my life tell me I should read the, the body keeps the score book and it's I'm like, I kind of been waiting until I'm at a mental place where I can soak it all in, but I probably just need to dive into it. And, it's a lot. I that. think I, I think I read it twice through and then I listened yeah. to it on audible. Just, I mean, there's so many nuggets and they throw research and science out at you. That's yeah. in a book format. It, there's a lot of information there. Yeah. So it's super helpful. It's fascinating. fascinating yeah. Stuff. Wow. Uh, well, this, this conversation has been fascinating. I feel like I'm taking away the emphasis on how much control I do have. I think I can fall into this victim mentality without even realizing it of I'm a victim of, you know, how much I have to work and what my work life is like. And um, if I'm super tired and I can't do a good workout or I mean, I didn't go to the gym yesterday because I hadn't really slept in about a week. And so, you know, how much is that actually helping me and wanting to think about that? So. 
I love what you brought to the table today about what we can control, what, yeah, how we can avoid burnout or ex- extended burnout. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for bringing your wisdom onto the podcast. Yeah, it's been really fun. Of course, I'd love to share um, <laughs> everything that I know. I just want to spew it at the world. Anyone that will listen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe we'll have you back someday and you can share more of your wisdom, spew it more of it at us. <laughs> but it's been so fun. So thanks for joining us. Yep. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Uh, Becky, before I stop the recording, yes. can you introduce her name again and say it right this time? Did I say it wrong? Yeah. Cordicella? Cordelessa. Cordelessa. Dang it. So okay. just say yep. we've got Cord- Kate Cordelessa with okay. us today. Perfect. We're so excited. All right. We have got Kate Cordalesa with us today. We are so excited. She is the program manager of thought leadership and performance science at Whoop. 